Think about a time you've come across someone who possesses something special. Imagine taking ordinary topics and viewing them through their lens. Welcome to Success Shorts, insights that challenge us to be extraordinary. Let's go. I'm Aurel Chanel, and I'm here with Buster Benson. Buster is the CEO of 750words.com. He's also a writer for Medium, where his article, The Cognitive Bias Cheat Sheet, has been read over a million times, and it's led to his first book, Why Are We Yelling? The Art of Productive Disagreement. Buster, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me here. I'm really excited to talk to you. Likewise, I'm eager to get going into your success short. But first, as always, I want everyone to get a chance to get to know you, so we're going to play Two Truths and a Lie. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. I have three fun ones. Um, the first one is that I once legally changed my first, middle, and last name on a whim. The second one is I've written a symphony as part of a 30-day challenge. And the third one is at the age of 38, I found out I have a brother, thanks to 23andMe.com. Okay. So I saw your unique timeline that you posted online. So I know that the brother one is true. And that's really neat, the power of 23andMe. As for the other two, I'm going to say changing your name is a lie because I think it would be a total pain in the butt. Nope, that was the, the truth. I started as Eric Keith Benson. That was my given name's birth. I changed my name to Buster Butterfield McLeod. <laughs> my plan was to do it for a year and it ended up lasting maybe five years before changing my middle and last name back. So Buster was not the name I was born with. But I did not write a symphony as part of the 30-day challenge. I've written books as part of 30-day challenges, but not a symphony. <laughs> That's pretty wild. But name change aside, what do you plan on sharing with us today? Yeah, so I'd like to talk about the art of productive disagreement. And one thing I want to clarify, that this isn't the same thing as civil dis disagreement or persuasion or like being really rational or that all these things that get lumped in with rhetoric and debate and these kinds of tools. This is a different kind of skill, I think. And I call it the art of productive disagreement because it's a, what I think the most important meta skill that we can acquire in life, because this is how we work through differences with one another. And if we're good at it, we can do this at a, at a greater speed with more success and all of the other skills in our lives can benefit from it. You said that a heck of a lot better than I could. So let's just get at it. Long story short, when did you begin to realize the importance of having productive disagreements and how did you begin to foster that? There were a couple of moments in my life where I twisted my idea around this. And one of them being around the 2016 election, which, which impacted a lot of us. And I always thought of myself as a civil disagreeer. So I was able to have disagreements with friends and family who had wildly different perspectives than I did. But during that time, I also realized that the way that I was going about being civil was actually a form of avoidance. And it was, it was not addressing the problems at the core of what we were talking about. It was really about tiptoeing around them, trying to ignore them, trying to shift the topics to other things. And so I realized that the most rational thing I could do as a rational civil disagreeer is to acknowledge that this was not working and to find something else. And that's when I started thinking about what other ways can we actually address these problems and have these conversations and actually come out of it feeling like it was productive. I also paired that with my career as a product manager and entrepreneur. And I realized I'd been fostering these skills in myself in terms of working with teams and working towards these goals that had to have positive outcomes regardless of who thought what. I realized that I had these skills. I just wasn't applying them to my conversations about the things I, I really cared about in the world. 
Yeah, I'd have to think that the 2016 election probably brought that up for a lot of people. If you think about it, it didn't even matter what side you were on. It became very difficult for many people to even talk to each other. And it happened almost overnight. It created this really hostile environment. So I think many people just avoided certain conversations or in some cases just avoided certain people altogether. So you embraced being proactive with all this because of that, acknowledging the issue and not skirting around it, which is a big deal. Now, how has that approach allowed you to navigate to a more fulfilling space? It's interesting because once you start looking for disagreements, in, in a sense, you realize that most of our jobs, especially if we're in the information worker space or you know working with people, requires us to face really tough problems and work through them in a collaborative way. Once I flipped that for myself, I began to see disagreements as a tool for mining problems and finding the right answers and finding the right ways to move forward as quickly as possible. And this helped me, for one, run a, a more effective team. It helped me in my relationships, like my marriage, to, to sort of bring up the things that you would always spark these disagreements, but try to find a way through them. And I just started to see the entire world as a bunch of closed doors that I had closed because there were, there were all these disagreements that I just thought were futile to address because I didn't have the tools. But once you have the tools, you can turn the knob, go through the door and see what's on the other side. And it changes almost everything, every part of your life pretty quickly if you, if you start doing this. So I would say that it, it just applies so broadly to how do you prioritize a roadmap? How do you decide who to hire? How do you ask a good question to your leaders to help them understand that there's a problem that they're not addressing properly? How do you hold people accountable? How do you give feedback? How do you receive feedback? All these different tools that are part of our jobs, they all require disagreement and they all require us to be able to walk into a disagreement without going on to autopilot and effectively just starting to throw punches and, and shield ourselves. So once we can do that, then, then so much is available. What you just said has me thinking. I don't know if you've ever read the book, The Four Agreements, but one of the four agreements is to not take things personally. And another big point that they make in the book is if you have a question, ask it, get it out there. So if we approach disagreements with that mindset, it opens your mind to hearing the other's perspective and clears a path for understanding and creates receptivity as opposed to just trying to prove a point with someone who likely has their guard up and is not going to hear it anyway. This is clearly a fascinating topic and you've likely piqued a lot of people's interests. So how can we take something away from what you're sharing with us and begin to apply it to our next interactions, either at work or more likely at home given our current environment? So this is the, the key beginning step, I think, which is we tend to fly into a disagreement on autopilot and then we lose ourselves and we just start reacting to everything that comes at us. The switch that needs to happen, it's a really subtle one, is just to try to stay mindful during that first initial step of a disagreement and then to see how far you can last. <laughs> and this is just a practice, something to do and then reflect on afterwards and say, okay, when did I lose track of myself you know, during this disagreement? Sort of do a retro or a postmortem of the hard ones that you go through. And this will help build the muscle memory and the thinking memory, I guess, which is when that initial spark of anxiety happens, what do I do? Which of my values are threatened? What is my reaction? Do I tend to attack? Do I tend to retreat? Do I tend to sidestep? And what could I do differently? What is another step I could do? Why do I do that one? Why not try another one? Because most of these that go unproductively, they're not things that you want to do again and again. So it's an opportunity to try something else. 
And this is the practice, I think, which is have these disagreements and think about them after the fact and think about like what was challenged there? What was the question I could have asked that would have used that person as a mirror to, for my own blind spots instead of as a you know punching bag for me to attack them? That's the first step. That's an impactful first step. What I try to stress to my kids, even though I'm going to admit I falter at this as an adult, is to slow down in the moment. I know this is true for me, but when I hear something, especially something that triggers me, I immediately want to react. I don't know what it is, if it's a human trait or what, but I find if I can just slow down and analyze the situation in the moment, and like you said, if you can't do it in the moment, be productively critical of myself after the fact, then I can just kind of continue to improve when it comes to how I approach these types of situations. I think it's important for us to allow ourselves a certain level of grace as well. Be like, okay, I messed up, but next time I'm going to try again and do better. And then just continue to try and try and make slowing down a habit. Because you could either beat yourself up and go back to just the negative path and be reactive and be miserable, or you can try to get right back on the horse and continue to foster the skills and be mindful. There's so much knowledge out there in theory, but the real important stuff is like, how do we put this into practice in our own lives? And like, so what you said is exactly it, just sticking with it. This happens in our own heads too. Like after the fact, when you're reliving the conversation, you'll have your own argument in your head about what you should have done. And you can even use that to practice with, because um, there's always these clashing voices wherever you go and then you just start to see it everywhere. So yeah, I think that's a good place to start and, you know, takes us like one of those cliches, to, you know, it'll take a lifetime to master. It does take a lifetime to master because as individuals, we all just want to be heard. And I think it's important to have compassion in that space because you're dealing with another individual who wants to be heard. So at some point, one of us has to be willing to listen. And I think that's where it starts. And hopefully that gives you a clearer path forward when it comes to dealing with these situations. As for everyone listening, I'd highly recommend that you check out Buster's book, Why Are We Yelling? The Art of Productive Disagreement, because there's clearly wisdom there we can all benefit from. And that's all for this episode of Success Shorts. Hopefully you found today's topic very useful. Goodness, I know I did. And remember, have fun, stay curious, and keep it short. <music>